What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about actress Caitlin Deaver and the movie Capone. But first, let's talk about actress Caitlin Deaver. The first time I saw her was in the Tim Allen sitcom, The Last Man Standing. And listen, that is not a very good show. It is not as good as Home Improvement. So I was like, I didn't really think much of her. And then she started to have minor roles in movies like Bad Teacher and The Spectacular Now. Bad Teacher is a really underrated comedy. Cameron Diaz stars in that film. Jason Segel, Justin Timberlake. And the minor role that Caitlin Deaver has, she's really good in. She's like this A student who's desperate to get the teacher's approval. And then the spectacular now, she plays the best friend of Shailene Woodley's character. I mean, that's another really good movie. Miles Teller, Shailene Woodley, Brie Larson. I mean, a lot of those people have become the top actors of today. The first time I really took notice of who she was as an actress was when I saw her in the movies Short Term 12 and Laggies. In Short Term 12, she has some amazing scenes with Brie Larson. Again, that movie has just produced so many superstars. Brie Larson, John Gallagher, Rami Malek, Kaylin Deaver, Lakeith Stanfield. They've all gone on to have amazing careers, and so has that director, Daniel Destin Cretton. And then in the film Laggies, she has some really great scenes with Keira Knightley in that film. I mean, I think that says it all that at that young of an age, Kaylin Deaver could hold her own against movie stars like Brie Larson and Keira Knightley. You could tell that this was a sign of things to come for her career. I knew from those two films that she was going to explode at some point. I just didn't know how she was going to. Then she continued to have supporting roles in really good underrated films like Detroit, which was directed by Catherine Bigelow, The Front Runner, directed by Jason Reitman, which she also co-starred along with Hugh Jackman. She was also in two independent films that are really good called Outside In and Beautiful Boy. Beautiful Boy stars Timothy Chalamet, and although Caitlin Deaver is only in about two or three scenes in that film, again, it is a memorable role. Then in 2019, Caitlin Deaver had maybe the best year of any performer of that year. She reached full superstardom with a film in Booksmart, which was a critical hit. Maybe it didn't make the money they all thought it would, but again, this was Olivia Wilde's directorial debut, and this proved that Caitlin Deaver could be the lead of a movie. This was her first leading performance, and boy, did she deliver. And then she starred in the Netflix drama Unbelievable, co-starring with Merritt Weaver, Tony Collette, well-known performers. And again, she holds her own with those people. She had one of the biggest 2019s of any performer. She had the hit TV show that everyone saw and the hit movie that was a critical darling. And again, you could see from her performances in those other smaller roles, like in Short Term 12 and Laggy, that she was destined to star as the lead in these shows or movies like Booksmart and Unbelievable. That she could carry a television show and become a movie star. And for that potential to actually happen, again, it's so satisfying to see an actor in their earlier roles and then to see them explode onto the scene. By the time Booksmart and Unbelievable had come out, I was not surprised at the success of Kate because she had been in so many good things. She had been in so many quality things that I knew that when she finally decided to become the lead of something, that it was probably going to end up being something really, really good. And that leads me to her best performance, which is, of course, in the movie Booksmart. I thought she carried this movie. I don't think this movie works without her. She played this funny, awkward character who is at the end of high school. Again, it's kind of like the character that she played in Bad Teacher, but grown up. Like, she 
she's waiting for the teacher approval and she finds out that every student she works with is also going to those nice schools that she's going to. She just worked extra hard to get there and she's mad about that. She thinks she's wasted her days and she's finally letting loose and having fun. But again, she's uncomfortable doing that. I thought this was a remarkable performance from Caitlin Deaver. I thought this deserved an Oscar nomination because I don't think the movie Booksmart works without Caitlin Deaver as the lead of that movie. Bean Feldstein is, of course, also really great, and she maybe should have got award consideration too. But when I think of Booksmart, I think of the performance of Caitlin Deaver. That's how good that performance is, and that's such a quality movie. And again, she has that movie, and then she stars in a Netflix series, Unbelievable, which she got a Golden Globe nomination. By the way, like the actor I talked about last week in Lucas Hedges, Caitlin Deaver is only 23 years old and has already accomplished so much and been in so many quality movies and TV shows. The sky is the limit for Caitlin Deaver's career. I'm expecting big things from Caitlin Deaver. She is going to get multiple Oscar nominations. I think she is going to become the next big movie star. And it's kind of funny to think about how she's come from a sitcom like a Tim Allen sitcom. But again, Jennifer Lawrence came from a sitcom too, the Bill Enval show, like the best actresses can just come out of nowhere and explode onto the scene and that's what Caitlin Deaver has done she was the star of that sitcom but she was quietly in really good movies and when I look at young actors I look at who they're co-starring in these movies with and it's an impressive list for Caitlin Deaver Cameron Diaz, Brie Larson twice Kira Knightley, Hugh Jackman Timothy Chalamet, Tony Collette and Merritt Weaver that's an impressive list of great actors for a young actress like Deaver to work with I think Booksmart and Unbelievable are just the beginning of what's going to be a remarkable career for Caitlin Deaver. But that's not to say that the list of films and TV shows she's appeared in are not impressive. Here's the list if you want to check out the work of actress Caitlin Deaver. Bad Teacher, The Spectacular Now, Short Term 12, Laggies, Detroit, Outside In, The Front Runner, A Beautiful Boy, Book Smart and Unbelievable. I am telling you to check these things out and see the work of actress Caitlin Deaver because there were some really good performances before Unbelievable and Book Smart. Definitely check those out too. But Caitlin Deaver has had a really impressive career for a 23-year-old actress. And the sky is the limit for her career moving forward. I mean, it's kind of been a slow burn for Caitlin Deaver. I mean, that's weird to say for a 23-year-old actress. But for the longest time, I knew who this was. And not a lot of people did. And then in 2019, she became a household name. 2019, though, was just the beginning. Booksmart and Unbelievable is just a glimpse of the career that Caitlin Deaver is going to have. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie Capone. Here's a quick synopsis. During the final days of his life, famous mobster Al Capone is a shell of himself dealing with dementia, paranoia, and is haunted by his past. First off, this movie is as weird as you've heard about, but I think it's also better than what most people give it credit for, and that starts off with Tom Hardy. I think Tom Hardy's career definitely has a pattern. He loves to play quiet rogue characters with weird 
weird voices like in Mad Max, Lawless, Peaky Blinders, and he does the same thing in Capone. I think it's a great performance and not a lot of actors could pull this off. I think a lot of people want Tom Hardy to go full movie star and be that guy from Inception and be charming. Like he has that capability, but again, it doesn't seem like he wants to be doing that type of work. He wants to be these silent characters who have these weird voices. And again, I'm here for it. I think it's entertaining. I think his performance in Mad Max is cruelly underrated. He's so good in that film. Again, in Lawless, another underrated performance. He steals that movie away. And with Capone, he's equally interesting. Listen, I get it. Since Bane happened, he's been known as the guy who does the weird voices. I'm okay with that because when I think if you look at the quality of work, they're pretty good. His track record of films are pretty good and his performances usually live up to the hype. Look at the movie Warrior, for example. He barely talks in that movie and that performance is unbelievable and that movie doesn't work if Tom Hardy's not in that movie. Now, Joel Edgerton is equally great in that film, but without Tom Hardy in Warrior, that film is not as good. So I feel like people need to take note of who Tom Hardy is at this point. He's going to give you a performance more like in Capone than he's likely to give a performance like in Inception, unless he's working with Christopher Nolan, that is. I don't think you're going to get a lot of movie star performances from Tom Hardy. Even in his mainstream films like Venom, he's going to do a weird voice. That's what he wants to do at this point, and for me, I'm happy with that, because I think Tom Hardy is unique and different, and that's what I want to see. I want to see a different type of movie star. Because I don't think Tom Hardy is chasing movie stardom. I don't think he's chasing Oscar awards. He's doing the type of acting that he wants to do, and again, these silent characters are way more interesting. I'm way more intimidated of his Capone, who barely talks, than I would be of his character in Inception. I just think it's a different type of acting style, and I'm here for it. I see a lot of guys who play charming leads. I don't need another one. I want Tom Hardy to keep doing what he's doing because clearly, for me at least, it's working to this point. Actress Linda Cardellini is also in this film and she's been underrated since Freaks and Geeks and also has a really impressive film resume. Of course, she was in Scooby-Doo, Legally Blonde, Brokeback Mountain, A Simple Favor, the Oscar-winning Green Book. She's been in the Avengers movies as Hawkeye's wife and she was recently nominated for an Emmy for her performance in a Netflix comedy, Dead to Me. I think she's been an impressive actress since Freaks and Geeks. She's so interesting. And again, opposite Tom Hardy in this movie, it works. She is really good in this movie. And I think it's one of the most underrated performances of 2020. Linda Cardellini gives a brilliant performance in Capone. Then this film also has a great supporting cast, Noelle Fisher, who's really underrated in the show Shameless. I mean, he's putting in work in that show. And again, it's cool to see a guy like that, that you know from a TV show, in like a movie like this. And again, he's really good as the son of Al Capone. Then you have Kyle McLaughlin, who plays the doctor to Al Capone. This is a guy who, of course, we all know from his work with David Lynch. You also have Matt Dillon in this movie, who you might know from the movie Wild Things. There's something about Mary. I, of course, love Matt Dillon in the movie To Die For. I think he's become a bit of an underrated actor to this point. I think a lot of people look at Matt Dillon as like a fallen movie star. I think he's given some pretty interesting performances on screen that have been underrated. 
And you have somebody who's worked with Tom Hardy before, Jack Loudon, who, of course, they starred in the movie Dunkirk together as pilots. Again, it's cool to see Jack Loudon in this film. He plays like an FBI agent. Now let's talk about the director and writer of this film, Josh Trank, who is a polarizing filmmaker whose first film, Chronicle, was a surprise hit. His second film, Fantastic Four, was a gigantic critical and financial bomb. Capone is a decent comeback from that. It's a fascinating plot. It's not a perfect movie, but it's interesting and entertaining. I mean, so many people thought Josh Trank was going to become the next Steven Spielberg. He was going to direct a Star Wars film. He was going to direct Fantastic Four and it was going to be great, but that didn't work out. I mean, he had worked with actors who are movie stars like Michael B. Jordan and Dane DeHaan and for him to return back to indie films that made him famous in the first place, I think it's a telling sign of like we all think that these indie filmmakers should go on and make these blockbusters, but it doesn't always work out. I think it's a cautionary tale of what happened to Josh Trank and what happened to his creativity and again he works way more in a movie like Capone than he does in Fantastic Four people who go see Fantastic Four want to see heavy action superhero fun movie they don't want to see like a dire superhero film and that's what Josh Trank made in Fantastic Four and with Capone, he returned to his dramatic roots. I think Chronicle is more like Capone, and I think in the indie film world, it works way more than it does like a blockbuster like Fantastic Four. I think Capone is like the extreme version of the second half of The Irishman, the gangster who is past his prime near the end of his life and is haunted by his past actions and former glory. I mean, this is kind of becoming the trend with these new gangster films. We're no longer glorifying the rise of gangsters like we did with the earlier Scorsese films. We're now doing like the downfall of gangsters with The Irishman, and I think that's what Capone is like because most of the movies about Al Capone glorify him. Like, think about The Untouchables with Robert De Niro. That was a film where he was like this mythological figure who was a bigger than life guy and again Capone really grounds that guy into real life and you think of Al Capone like a moral like a human. Tom Hardy's version of Al Capone in this movie is more of a tragic figure than that bigger than life mobster he is a tragic figure and that feels unique and different and something I've never seen before that's why I think this movie is worth seeing because it's not like that Robert De Niro version of Al Capone who has a baseball bad in the movie Untouchables. It's something like I've never seen before about this guy who I didn't know a lot about going into this movie. I didn't know that Al Capone's final days of his life were miserable. If you just watched The Untouchables, you probably thought he got away with everything. You thought he was the coolest person on the planet or something. We make these figures in the mythological guys who got away with things. And then this movie and movies like The Irishman tell you, no, the end of their days, they kind of in a weird way paid for their crimes. I also think there were elements of this movie that were fascinating, like the idea that Al Capone thought he had $10 million hidden somewhere. Again, that's so fascinating that he thought that there was like this treasure that he hid himself, but he was just going insane and that other people like the FBI actually believe that this guy had $10 million hidden somewhere. I find that to be ridiculous, but again, that's the time we were living in, that even the FBI was believing the legend of Al Capone more than what was actually happening to the man himself. They couldn't just look at him as this sick guy who was dying. They thought of him as that former mobster. Like, this guy must have hidden this treasure because his life couldn't be this bad. They couldn't just look at what the reality of his situation was. They thought of him as that legendary gangster who, of course, hid $10 million. He's Al Capone. Even the 
FBI believe the legend of Al Capone to some extent. But what's even more fascinating about this movie is that Al Capone had a son that the rest of his family, his wife played by Linda Carlini and his son, Noel Fisher, didn't know about. That's even more fascinating that he couldn't even really remember his former life, but he somewhat remembered this son. Like there's a piece of paper where he does a drawing and he calls his son Tony and the rest of his family doesn't know what he's talking about. Like he has this son that none of them know about. That's what's more interesting than the hidden $10 million. I mean, the $10 million, of course, gets you into the movie, but I think the stuff with the son gets you really invested in who Al Capone is as a human being. I also have to talk about the violence of the film because I also thought that the fictional violence of this movie is comical at times. It's chaotic. It kind of wants to be a Quentin Tarantino type of film at times. And again, it really doesn't work to that extent, but it is entertaining to say the least. Like there's a scene where he just grabs like this golden rifle and you're like, wow, the movie is really going there. It's probably one of the funniest scenes of 2020. And I think that's unintentional, but in a weird way, it kind of works with what the movie is going for. This guy is going insane and out of his mind and he doesn't know what's going on in his life. So you as a viewer do not know what's going on in the life of Al Capone. It actually in a weird way works with the movie. I'm sure some critics didn't like the comical violence but I quite enjoyed it and I thought it worked with the tone of the film. Again there's a scene where Matt Dillon's character's eyeballs fall out of his head. That's so weird but again Al Capone is imagining these things so again the filmmakers like you imagine it with him. You're kind of where Al Capone is as his audience. He's confused, so you're confused. I think that ultimately why this film works. Another reason why this film works is because we already know so much about Al Capone. We already know that he sold alcohol in the days of the Prohibition. We already know how he became a mass criminal. We get all that, so we don't need any more of that backstory. So people who watch this movie and go, well, I didn't really learn anything about the man himself. You didn't need to learn anything. He's such a historical figure that I think the film takes his licenses where it wants to go. It wants to go at the end of this man's life. This is not a biopic in any definition of the term. We're not going back and seeing the life of Al Capone. We are seeing the guy dealing with the end of his life and not really even knowing who he is at that point. This is not a film that is going to glorify Al Capone in any way. And again, that's probably to the detriment of it to some extent. I mean, some people will look at this movie and say it's not entertaining. But you know what it is? It is interesting. And to me, that's enough to be entertaining. There are some moments in this movie where you're like, wow, this is so over the top. This is a little too much. This is a little too gory or whatever. Or this is a little not to my liking. But for the most part, I think this movie works. And I think not enough people gave it credit for how it actually works with what's going on. I thought this movie was going to be a disaster based on the reviews. And I really ended up liking it. And I think that says a lot about me as a person who watches a lot of movies. I was just invested in what Tom Hardy was doing as a performer, and I was invested in the other performances. I thought Linda Cardellini, again, gave one of the most underrated performances of the year. I thought Noel Fisher was great. Kyle McLaughlin, Matt Dillon, Jack Loudon, the supporting performances were up to par in this film. They were all great along with Hardy. All their scenes with Tom Hardy were magnificent. And again, I want to see a movie that was different. I didn't want to see a movie about the 
story of Al Capone. I could read a book if I wanted that. I want to see stuff that I hadn't seen before, and this movie delivered that. I'm not saying it's a perfect movie. It's a flawed movie, but it's a lot better than Josh Trank's last movie, The Fantastic Four, and I think people have to get credit for that. I want to see more films directed by Josh Trank because I think he is an interesting filmmaker, and he's too out of free when it comes to his movies because Chronicle is an underrated masterpiece at this point. Michael B. Jordan, Dane DeHaan, they're so good in that film. That's really an underrated film, and I think he's made another underrated film in Capone. It might not be the critical darling that maybe I think it should be, but I think there's something there that not enough people are giving it credit for. Again, really great performance by Tom Hardy. Linda Cardellini is almost equally great. Check out the movie Capone. I definitely recommend it. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney. There'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. And this week, I put the spotlight on actress Caitlin Deaver in the movie Capone. Next week, I'm putting the spotlight on two movies, Bad Boys for Life, starring Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, and Richard Jewell, starring Paul Walter Hauser, Kathy Bates, and Sam Rockwell. So tune into that, and please rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs> 